What up, what up, what up? Exciting show today. Took a few day hiatus here, focusing on work, and um, not a whole lot going on this past week in the NFL NBA. Um, but definitely some big news today in the Deshaun Watson ruling, so we'll start with that. Um, also, uh, at the end of the show, exciting stuff. We'll look ahead to NFL betting trends for week one, break down each game, talk about the current lines as of this week, the percent money on each side, and the percent of bets on each side. And it can really kind of start frame our, you know, kind of groundwork onto how we approach the NFL from sort of a non-emotional or a logical standpoint and try to make bets based off trends and not necessarily emotional picks. Now, I'm not perfect, <laughs> okay? I make emotional picks all the time, I especially with the Eagles <laughs> in the past. Um, I've made some serious emotional mistakes and emotional picks, but um, as much as you can, you know, stay away from that stuff. It, it's fun. It makes it fun to bet on your team or to bet emotional picks um, you know, because you have such strong conviction, but oftentimes it's better to stay logical, look at the facts, look where the money is, and look which side just statistically or probability-wise has the best chance of giving you a good return. Um, so we'll talk about that at the end. In between, we'll talk about Rodgers and his frustrations, to say the least, with his young receiver core. Also going to touch on Steph and, you know, what he's done so far, and does he deserve to be in that elite club of greatness up with some of those great names. So, Let's get started. So NFL coming out, Deshaun Watson decision after negotiations between the NFL and the NFL Players Association coming out with 11 games, $5 million fine, and mandatory therapy or treatment um, in that matter, in that regard. So I'm not sure of the specifics of the therapy and the treatment at this time. I just know that there's some sort of mandation that he has to do it. But, um, you know, we talked about it earlier. NFL had a third-party source, someone they appoint, a judge, who's been doing this for a long time, to make the decision. And then ultimately, if they weren't satisfied, either the Players Association slash player or the NFL could appeal that decision. And that's what happened in this case. The NFL appealed the decision. So, um, a lot of outcry on the initial ruling. And now that I've kind of let it stew and thought about it more, you know, like we talked in the past, it's not really the third party or the judge's fault, right? They're in the judiciary system. Right? It's not just a lawless thing. They have to act based on past previous precedents. They can't just come out and make some absurd ruling. Yes, they can make landmarks like they did here today um, and in real world cases as well, but they can't just blow everything out of the water based on past rulings. That's part of being a judge um, in America. So I think with the information presented and what the NFL has done is come up so short in the past that the third party, all they could do is really rule the way they did initially. Um, so I don't blame them as much as I blame the NFL's incompetence and basically lack of punishment for vile acts in the past. Um, but that behind us, we have the sentence today, 11 games, like we said, 5 million fine in therapy. Um, ultimately, was hoping for a year, $10 million in therapy as well. But, you know, if this is a non-quarterback, still hefty fine, $5 million. Um, 11 games is still over half the season. And in their division, that's going to derail their whole season. I mean... They, they're not going to make the playoffs, right? And even if he does step back in and play awesome like he's shown in the past, they're not going to make the playoffs. It's going to be too late. So it really does derail at least one season for the Browns, um, if you look at it that way. But the other portion I wanted to talk you know, today about is the most important part in my mind is the therapy sessions. So let's hope they're legit. Let's hope they're frequent. Let's hope the education is up to date and can basically help him learn and, and change his character, change his judgment. But um, the main aspect of this is this should have happened in the first place, right? This should have happened immediately, but it didn't. 
And again, that's not really the third party's fault. There was no real precedent for the NFL having mandatory stuff like this in place um, when the ruling was made on this initially by the third party. So I hope here moving forward that sort of mandatory education for a lot of issues, not just, you know, sexual harassment, this kind of stuff, you know, obviously this is disgusting, disturbing stuff, but, you know, kind of all issues I think should be important. It's for any walk of life, any job, anytime you make a mistake, anytime you're out of line character or judgment wise, there should be education, there should be materials, there should be resources, there should be classes that you have to do to try to learn and to try to make yourself better, not only for yourself, but for society. So I hope Deshaun can, you know, use these classes, take them actually seriously, um, whatever. And again, I don't know if they're classes, online stuff, therapy sessions weekly. I, I don't know the gist, the specifics right now. Maybe we'll hear that soon. But whatever it might be, I hope he looks in the mirror and says, in the grand scheme of things, like if, if I'm Deshaun Watson in the grand scheme of things, I got off so lucky, so lucky. Any other line of work, for the most part, um, if this kind of thing is happening, you're done. You're not just out of a job. You're out of a career. You're done. Done. Finito. Never to be seen again in the public sphere, right? Like, the only reason it's because the NFL, right? Um, people get by with stuff. And even disgusting, disturbing acts like this, 24 women, just too many to be a coincidence. Um, just really sad from that perspective, as we discussed in previous episodes. But I really hope he can use this time, this education, to make himself better and, you know, hopefully the NFL has this as a precedent moving forward. So any case like this, now I don't suspect to have another case like this anytime soon. This is outrageous. But hopefully some other, you know, more, you know, minor stuff or less people. Like it, it should take less people to be involved in this to get 11 games and 5 mil. Like everybody knows that. All right. Everybody knows. But nonetheless, we didn't have a precedent before. Now we do. I'm just hoping in the future for similar or even less severe actions that, this precedent is met or exceeded. That's all we can hope for. And again, I just hope the NFL can keep incorporating serious punishments for the you know the less than one percent of players in the league that are you know quote unquote bad guys or you know do bad things out of character things. And the scary thing is is who knows if this is this is out of character or if this is who he actually is. That's the scarier thing. Because not only are you basically letting him pass if this is who he truly is, and he if he can't change. You know, if he can't change, you're just giving him a platform, more money, more voice in the future to basically continue to do this. So I really hope for society's sake, you know, that they made the right call on Sean Watson to, you know, basically allow him to play football and think that he can change and think that he won't do stuff like this again. In the back of my mind, I can't help but think that this may just be who he is. I really hope that's not the case because that puts a lot more women and a lot more people and staff members in danger and people in society in danger. I really hope, I really, really do, that this is not who he is, and that he can change. I really do, because that's what the NFL has told us here today. So, um, you know, enough of this story moving forward. Uh, maybe it'll be a story as the Browns suck without him. I really don't think they're going to be anything amazing with him. Obviously, they'll be better, but um, it's going to be a non-story for a while. So, moving forward wanted to talk about Aaron Rodgers and sort of some quotes after his media time about the state of the Packers, basically. So <laughs> I'll summarize for you, but Rodgers basically came out this week and called out all his wide receivers and said, these young guys, too many drops, 
too many misreads, too many routes run wrong, timing is off, basically everything that you would expect from a new wide receiver playing with a new quarterback. Except in the Packers scenario, it's nearly every receiver. So the problem is amplified. It's not like a rookie coming in to a team with established wide receivers who can learn from them and learn from the Rodgers and, you know, other veteran receiver connection. But you got basically a whole new slate of guys. Now there's some returning, obviously, but some didn't get a lot of playing time. Um, obviously some rookies as well. And Devontae being gone. <laughs> what did you expect? Like, what, what did you expect? Like, obviously, I think they'll pull it together. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be able to cover for a ton of receiver mistakes. It's He's one of the most talented people ever. That's obvious. But did he not expect it to be difficult? <laughs> like, in the beginning, you know? Why do you have to come out and call out wide receivers? Like, can he not do that in the confines of the locker room? You know? It just... The whole thing is just... I want to say baffling, but it's really not, guys. It's really not. It's Aaron Rodgers. His talent's undeniable. His leadership meh, you know, leaves a little to be desired, rubs me the wrong way a little bit. So, um, I don't know. There's two aspects, right? Like, how do you not expect this? It's all new wide receivers, all young guys, all with very little production in the NFL. Of course they're going to make mistakes. Of course they are. Of course it's going to be ugly for the first several weeks, first several games of the season. Of course it is. You had Devontae freaking Adams. He's going to the hall. <laughs> like, he's so good. Right? And then you go from him to, you know, Lazard. God bless. Hope he has a good fantasy year for my squad. But everybody else, for the most part, is new or doesn't have a lot of looks or targets or reps with first team and Aaron Rodgers. So, of course, there's going to be issues. And and that's one part of it. But the other part is to feel the need to come out and say that publicly. If I'm a wide receiver, I'm, a, I'm feeling betrayed. I'm feeling betrayed. Right? Like, why not come up to me as a man why not come up to me and film? Why not come up to me outside of practice when we're, you know, hanging out, making a connection? Tell me what I can do better. Tell me. Seriously. Help me get accustomed to the league. Help me make you succeed. Help me make you look good. They should be doing everything together, you know, for the best attempt, the best way to produce on the field. It's spend time together, you know, be communicative. Don't just shout stuff to the media, man. It feels like anytime something goes wrong, he just airs it out in the media. And the media always ends up siding with him in the end. It's like, maybe that's worked for in the past, and maybe this is a non-story that I'm just blowing up. But as an athlete, as a former football player, as a former, you know, just any any sports, that you have a connection as close as quarterback receiver. When one guy's new, one guy's young, you are the veteran, you are the leader. You have to do everything to bring them up to speed. It's not them. Okay, just because you're sad that you don't have another Devontae Adams right now. And they just can't pick up right where Devontae freaking Adams left off? Like, are you kidding me? So, this is not unforeseen. You know, obviously new receivers are going to have problems. Maybe it's worse than I'm, than I'm, you know, seeing in the media. Maybe they are truly terrible, which is definitely, you know, could be a possibility. But... It's Rodgers. It's on Rodgers, man. He's the veteran. He's the two-time reigning MVP. He's the Lock Hall of Famer. He needs to lead. He needs to be mature, be a veteran, and get these guys up to speed. It's his job. You know, I would say it's more on him than the wide receivers. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, if this is Mahomes, Josh Allen, anybody really, Peyton in the days, Breeze, Brady, you don't hear this stuff. 
You don't. Brady makes Amendola and Welker great. <laughs> okay? Th those guys elevate people around them and untap all of the, you know, all of the talent in these guys that may not get recognized on their own or by some other quarterbacks. It's on Aaron Rodgers. It really is. So, you know, I picked the Vikings earlier as a surprise pick to win the division. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be close. I, I'm sticking with it. I'm not going to go back on my word. I'm sticking with it. But uh, the Packers are going to be good just because their defense is good and they have Aaron Rodgers. But if they don't get this passing game figure out, you know, I might be on to something there. Might be on to something there. So, um, wanted to move on and talk about Steph. All right. Steph Curry. Steph Wardell Curry. All right, man. Now that he's won his fourth ring, even without KD, some of the criticism has really stopped. He's gotten a lot of praise this offseason. Um, I've seen a lot of arguments now talking about, I don't know, I don't want to really call him out Rushmore, limiting it to four guys, but just basically talking about, is he the greatest of all time? And I've talked about it in the past. I'm not a huge fan of comparing people from different eras, like the Jordan LeBron Kareem Jordan, Kareem LeBron, like that kind of stuff, just because it's impossible, right? Like, watch the tape. It's impossible. Totally different games. Like, three-point lines weren't even into effect. Just totally different stuff. I think the best way to look at it, um, you know, is almost the best player of every... I, I like decades. Maybe that's a little too narrow for people, but just of generations, right? Kareem, you have Magic Bird, Kobe in the middle with Shaq, Duncan... Uh, LeBron dominating most of the, you know, 2010 to 2020 window, um, along with Steph Curry now, who really, the middle to second half of that era kind of picked up steam and is now still going today. So um, I've heard a lot of opinions, you know, does he deserve to be mentioned in the same breath as Duncan, Shaq, Kobe, Kareem, Bird, Magic, Wilt, all these guys, right? Is he deserving? Folks, I'm here to tell you today that this is an absolute no-brainer. Of course he is. Of course he is. Look at him. He's not huge. He doesn't have LeBron strength. He doesn't have a lot of these physical attributes that these other guys have. The Kevin Durant's, the LeBron's, the Anthony Davis, these guys. He's a guard. He's small. And he's created a niche for himself in the NBA that now every single other person is trying to copy. Think about that. LeBron came into the league, was physically dominant from the start, had tools that just no other person could even imitate at this time. And he's still kicking. You know, he's still one of the best players, in my opinion, in the league today. Um, but the difference between LeBron and Steph is LeBron, people can't copy LeBron. You can't copy freight train drives with that body, that strength, that speed, that combo. You can't copy that. What Steph Curry did is showed that basically anyone who trains like he does, who works like he does, who thinks like he does, and leads like he does, has a chance at his career. He changed the game. He changed the game. You know, growing up, <laughs> it's funny. Everyone in my generation will remember this. Every, you know, everybody growing up, elementary school on through, you're shooting to the trash can. Who are you calling? Who are you calling? You're not calling Jordan. You're not calling Kareem. You're not calling LeBron. You're calling Kobe. Because Kobe was cool, and he dominated that decade. Dominated. Kobe was cool. 
I hear kids today shooting, shooting at trash cans, shooting in their backyard, their driveway. Who are they calling? They're not calling Kobe. They're calling Curry. Curry, baby. <laughs> like, it's, it's just crazy, man. The guy changed the game. You see videos all the time of these youth players, AAU players, just trading threes every possession, five possessions in a row for each team, just splashing threes. That wasn't basketball even 10 years ago before Steph hit his real prime. He changed the game. He showed that you don't have to be the biggest, you don't have to be the fastest, the most physically imposing, the best defender. Today's game is set up with offense, and if you can shoot the three ball, you're crafty at the rim, creating opportunities for yourself, hustling. He's one of the... (laughs) So underrated what shape he is in. The amount of shape you have to be in. We've all run around and pick up basketball. If you watch Curry and if you tried to run around like that for as long as he did, you would be gassed. Gassed. The dude runs all game long. The dude is in premier physical shape for his size. And all he does is practice. Practice threes. Practice free throws. Practice, 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 practice. He has laid the foundation for anybody of any size that with work, practice, perseverance and leadership that you can grow into the best you can be and potentially one of the best basketball players that we've seen so i think it's time we give steph curry his flowers i think it's time we stand up here and say he is one of the best of all time now like i said i don't like comparing different eras i just appreciate greatness for greatness that's just what i do i love lebron i love jordan kareem obviously um is a little bit different but obviously he's great um i'm putting steph I'm putting Steph up there, man. Like, I'm not saying I'm taking Steph over LeBron or Jordan, but it's Steph, man. If you're making an all-time starting five and he's one of my guards, I ain't saying no. <laughs> are you saying no? If you got to pick a one and a two guard and he's one of them, are you freaking out? Hell no. Hell no. You're thanking your lucky stars. Because you got a leader, you got a ball handler, you got a guy, one of the best free throw. He might be the best free throw shooter of all time. He is definitely the best three point shooter of all time, like considering where he shoots from and how many he's made. And he's so crafty at the rim. It feels like he finishes everything either hand. What more could you want from a guard? And he's got good vision. And he hustles all over the court to create opportunities for himself and his teammates. And he's a good leader. He is the whole package for what he can be for a guard. In today's NBA, he's the whole package. You don't need him to be 6'10". You don't need him to be the best defender. You don't need him to rebound the ball. You need him to be Steph freaking Wardell Curry. And that's what he is, man. I give him props. I really do. Um, So I'm tired of the slander. That's one argument I will not hear out. Uh, He's one of the best of all time. He really is. Lock Hall of Famer. He's got four rings now. Um, I don't know if he's done. I think he's got another ring or two in him. I really do. That team is filthy in Golden State. Wiggins looking like a stud pickup in the Warrior system. All the young guys, Poole ascending, Kaminga, all these guys. Clay and Dre still left. Like, they're going to be crazy good for the next, like, basically, like, four or five years if Steph and all of them stay healthy. Who knows how long Draymond and Clay have left. But if all of them stay healthy, they're going to be scary good and be contenders for the next four or five years. So it's only going to make Steph's legacy grow. I'm here today you know saying he is the best he's one of the best in so many categories you have to consider him in the greatest of all time debate i think when his career is all said and done i really do if he gets another ring or two a finals mvp or two who knows what happens for him 
I think you have to consider him as one of the best, if not the best, to play all time. And maybe that's blasphemous. I know there's a lot of Jordan lovers out there, LeBron lovers. I, I love both of them. I definitely love LeBron, too. Um, let's say this is blasphemy, but Steph's just a different basketball player. He's just different. Doesn't mean he's worse. You know, so... Looking forward to the start of the NBA season. Obviously, a lot of young talent. Warriors will still be good. We'll see how the Lakers do with LeBron, his new extension that he just signed. Funny with that, uh, tons of money, obviously, with cap flexibility. So if the cap goes up, he can make more. But the last year that deal gives him mobility, basically, to move wherever Bronny goes <laughs> is basically how the contract's set up. Because we all know that's LeBron's endgame. He's playing until Bronny gets to the league. He's playing one season with Bronny and then probably retiring. That's his goal. And... And people like people like crush him for that. I don't know how you could crush someone for that. Like LeBron aside, picture yourself, dominant NBA player, or you know, dominant. Let's just broaden it even further. Dominant at anything you do in life. Say you're a doctor. Say you're a lawyer. Um, say you're a teacher. Anything. When it's time for your son or daughter to get to that stage, wouldn't you like to work with them? Wouldn't you be proud if your son or daughter was a doctor too? Or a lawyer too? Or a teacher too? I would be. I think most people would be. You know? Um, shows they looked up to you. They wanted to do, they wanted to be like you. You set a good example. You know, take LeBron. He set the best example for his kids. One of the best basketball players, if not the best we've ever seen, coming from basically diapers, <laughs> we knew about him, it seemed like, hasn't had a lick of trouble. Not one. And he's been the focus of every sports story. He's been on every day of sports coverage for the past 20 plus years. Every day. I've never remembered a more covered person in sports than LeBron James, at least in my lifetime. Crazy. So, always setting a good example. Obviously, his kids want to follow that. I think that's the greatest honor. Uh, honestly, I think LeBron, that's the greatest honor of his career, would be to play his career with one or two of his sons. I think that would be his most favorite achievement, his most favorite time playing basketball. I really do. But enough on the NBA. That's coming up in a few weeks. Can't wait. But more pressing issues here like we talked about. NFL, preseason already underway. But let's be real. We won't kick off week one. We're going to go into NFL betting splits here on Trust the Doc Sports Podcast. Here we go. Let's get right into it. So this will kind of serve as our intro to sports betting um, going into the NFL season, obviously the most bet sport, the most popular sport, it's the, the one I have most fun with. I think, you know, for beginning, you know, people may have never done it before or new people, um, you know, even for some of my friends that I know have been doing it for a long time, um, or people listening that are, you know, advanced, um, in, in sports betting. But, um, I think we'll start by basically describing, you know, what's the difference between stuff and basically how it works. So, um, in general, uh, there's a couple of things you can bet that are quote unquote lines for each game, right? You have the money line, which basically just indicates which team's going to win straight up, whether it's by one point or 20 points, that's a team you bet them money line. They just have to win spread is a little bit more evened out based off of, you know, how the teams are doing, which one's good, which one's bad, which one's favored. Um, so a team could be favored by three and a half, which means that team has to win by basically four points for you to cash or more. Uh, Over-under, pretty straightforward. Total of the two teams combined. You're betting if they go over 50 or under 50, etc. Um, so those are the main things you can bet on. And nowadays, with these apps and it getting legalized in a lot of states, 
there's a million things you can bet. <laughs> there's a million things you can bet on, right? Um, touchdowns, yards, receptions, completions, interceptions, turnover, everything, literally everything for the game. Everything. Um, so we're going to kind of avoid that for right now and just kind of focus on outlook for week one um, in those three categories I described earlier. Um, you know, obviously you can straight bet, which is definitely the most intelligent thing to do, but where's the fun in that, you know? So, <laughs> so um, the you can straight bet, uh, which is statistically definitely the best chance for you to win money um, and cash a bet um, as well. Any of the advanced, you know, people who do this for a living, if they're doing parlays, it's for a much smaller amount than they're betting on straight games. Now, big bettors might bet 100K on games or 50K on games, and they might do a parlay for fun for $1,000 or $500, right? Because the payout of the parlay is freaking sweet, and that's what gets you hooked, right? You see, you put a four or five team parlay together, and the payout for 20 bucks is, you know, 250 300 bucks, and it's looking sweet, right? Um... But the real thing to do, I mean, if you're trying to sustain, if you're trying to make a, you know, money on the side, um, it's fun to do parlays, and I do that too. I get it, but um, you should straight bet, right? It's it's the logical, smart thing to do, right? You don't know what's going to happen. You can't predict for every factor in a game. Uh, what I like about the NFL is I think it is more predictable than the NBA. You don't know who's playing. You don't know who's going to go off in a random night, um, or the MLB. Um, NHL, things like that. I think NFL is the most predictable, and I think that makes it the most popular, the most enticing, the most fun. Um, so we'll start off Thursday night uh, game on September 8th, the Buffalo Bills at the Rams. Like, <laughs> we've talked about it before. Like, thank God. Thank you, NFL. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I don't want to see the Cowboys in the first game of the season. I want to see two teams that kick freaking ass. And that's what the NFL did. The Buffalo Bills and the Rams, two of the Super Bowl favorites heading into the year. Clash in week one. Everybody to see on Thursday night primetime. Sweet stuff. Sweet, sweet stuff. Thank you, NFL. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Can you tell I'm excited? Um, the Bills on the road favored on the road. Minus one against the Rams. So for those at home, Bills got to win. If they win by one or the Rams lose by one, it's a push. So you just get whatever you gambled back. So if you bet 10 bucks, you get your 10 bucks back. Um, so the Bills have to win by basically two points or more um, if it stays at this line. Sure, there'll be some movement heading up to the season, as you know, because this is very early. But traditionally, home teams, at least in traditional NFL, um, there's kind of a three-point advantage, you know, kind of baked in to the line, so to speak. So kind of traditionally speaking, if you saw Bills minus one against the Rams, you would say, and and the Rams are the home team, so they're the home dog. Um, you're basically saying in traditional terms that the Rams are getting three points for free because they're home. So if this game were on a neutral field, they're telling you essentially that the Bills are favored by four, if that makes sense. So if you kind of look at games like that, uh, and again, this is a little bit outdated as people go for two. It's a lot higher you know, powered league, sometimes less kicking, um, stuff like that. So it's a little bit of an outdated philosophy, but I, I, still, I still like to use it as a frame of mind. Not necessarily a hard rule, but a frame of mind. Um, for games so you know the other aspect of that is um, it really makes home underdogs enticing especially good home underdog teams like the Rams at plus one you know they're telling you that basically the Bills are a four point better team but given the Rams three points for being at home the Rams are plus one enticing it is enticing I'm not gonna lie Super Bowl champs and and I think a lot of it going into here is the Bills are the most hyped team coming into the season they think Josh Allen's gonna be MVP they're gonna win the league they're gonna coast through their division all of which may be true 
Um, the other aspect is traditionally everybody always fades the Super Bowl winners because of the Super Bowl hangover, which is definitely a real phenomenon. Um, so this line, um, money line, um, 72% of the money is on the bills along with 70% of the bets. So it tells you what the common betters and what the sharps are on. Um, so the common betters, you know, everybody in public, um, betting emotionally a lot of times. Uh, the sharps, <laughs> quote unquote, it sounds like some clandestine guild of, <laughs> of like people who do this for a living. But it, sharp really just means if you're putting enough money down to basically make changes to the line. Maybe not by yourself, but you're at least betting so much more than the average fan would that you're considered a sharp. Um, betting for years, you do it for your career, that kind of stuff. So when you look at stuff, um, this one has you know over 70% on money and on bets on the bills. So it's telling you that the public and the sharps are liking the bills at minus one. Um, same with or at money line. Same with the spread. 86% of the money on the bills with 80% of the bets on the bills. Everyone's loving the bills in this game. Uh, the over under 62% on the of the money on the over with just less than 50% of the bets. Um, this is a tough game for me to call. Like if if you know in the past, I'm I'm going Bills all the way. All the stats point Bills, but Rams are technically the home dog. They have a great team, Super Bowl champs. I know all the money in the bets are on the Bills, but <laughs> kind of like the Rams here. Not gonna lie, it's. It's just hard. Like, if, if you bet on home dogs a lot, it pays off, right? It pays off. Um, especially, like, a money line home dog. Now, this one's too, pretty close, so the money line's not going to get you much more of value. Um, but say the line's, like, plus five, and you bet home dog to win, and the home dog has, a, you know, already an advantage, and they pull out, you're going to get nice money from that bet. Um, I think the bet here, if anything, is over 52 I think that's what I'd end up doing, just because I think these these offenses are both ready to freaking explode. I could see each of these teams putting up thirty plus uh, in this game, you know. So that's my bet for week one, uh, Thursday night opener. Uh, we'll move a little bit quicker through this next these next games. Um, the rest of the games on Sunday coming up: um, Dolphins or Patriots at Dolphins, excuse me, Dolphins favored by minus two and a half. Um, so they're basically telling you at home field, um, since the Dolphins are home, they're minus two and a half, uh, they'd have a three-point advantage. So they're basically telling you at a neutral field, they'd be even, or the Patriots would have the slight edge. 89% of the money and 80% of the bets on the Patriots spread. Um, you know, over under 44, 70% of the money and 40% of the bets on the over. Um, and the money line's much of the same. Um, you know, most of the money in bets on, on New England. And I'm inclined to agree. Um, you know, Dolphins are favored at home. Dolphins traditionally play the New England Patriots really, really well. But, I don't know. Patriots as dogs. Uh, some money line value. Um, looks good to me. Honestly, looks good to me. We'll see how this line moves. I may change on that. Um, but Patriots basically getting a field goal. Um, I'll take that. They run the ball. Who knows how two is going to be. Um, but this is this is probably a game I either bet Patriots or stay away from because I just don't know how two is going to do with Tyreek, right? I think there's a lot of hype that he is Tyreek now and Jalen Waddle and they're about to be, like, amazing. But, you know, that's what makes the first week or two of the NFL tough. All we do is base our, our opinions on last year's roster and the moves made in the offseason. We really don't know how these teams play together or how they perform on Sundays. So you got to be really careful in these first couple weeks. It takes about a month of the season to really get into, you know, what you can count on from each team week in, week out. So week one and two especially, 
are really just almost projections of last season and and can be really dangerous. So I wouldn't bet a ton of money if, if you're into you know betting. So I, I wouldn't bet a ton of money in the first couple of weeks just because um, it's really tough um, as well. Uh, Ravens, Jets. Ravens, five and a half point favorites at the Jets. I'm smashing Ravens here. Even though the Jets get in the three points at home, they'll be eight and a half underdogs if you or if you put in the um, you know the home team factor. But lines at five and a half. Ravens are healthy. They're going to kick ass. Ninety five percent of the handle and eighty five percent of the bets on the Ravens um, spread here. I'm hammering the Ravens. Um, Zach Wilson hurt. Uh, I don't know what the Jets are going to do. Ravens are going to dominate this game. Do yourself a favor. Take the Ravens minus five and a half. Do it before it goes up. Um, that's going to get to at least a touchdown. Uh, maybe more. So definitely take that. The over-under is 45. That's tough. Uh, today's NFL, that's an average or maybe even a little bit below average total. But if anything, I'll probably take the under there. 86% of the money, 85% of the bets on that, on the under. Seems like the public and the Sharps agree. I just don't see the Jets putting up any points, really, without Zach Wilson on the Ravens' defense. And I don't know if the Ravens are going to drop 50 you know, I kind of feel like they'll just kind of control the ball, run the ball, and kind of run out the clock kind of deal. So I think the under is not a bad play here either, but I'm going Ravens minus five and a half. I think that's the safest bet. This one is pretty absurd. Um, Steelers plus six and a half at the Bengals. Bengals six, almost a touchdown favorite at home. 82% of the money on the Bengals with 56% of the bets. Over under total 44 and a half, which... Um, money and bet money is about even there, and bets favor the Bengals or the favor the uh, under. Excuse me. Um, this is tough, right? Bengals had a huge year last year, almost won the Super Bowl, right? Clearly going to be favored. They're loaded on offense. We don't know what the Steelers are doing with quarterback. Um, this is a really tough game, really really tough game. So the this is a good example, right? So the percentage of the bets on the money line. 44% on the Steelers, 56% on the Bengals. You say, well, Austin, that's almost even, right? That's almost even. 82% of the money is on the Bengals. So that tells you that the Sharps are in on the Bengals. In for this game. So we'll see how this line moves. Right now, I'm not touching it. If it got over a touchdown, I'd consider taking the Steelers here. Um, but really, I'm not touching it. I'm really not. I it, This is the problem with week one. You don't know what you're getting out of these quarterbacks, out of these teams, right? You really don't know. Um, so this is a game I'm really not touching. If you want to side with the Sharps and most of the public, take the Bengals spread. But watch for some late line movement. The Steelers have a great defense. I think they'll be able to contain the Bengals, but we'll see. Depends how poorly their offense plays. Um, but a game right now, until I see more movement, I'm not touching. Um Colts, Texans, Texans, eight-point underdogs at home. Um, 64% of the money on the Colts, minus eight, and bets are about even 50-50. Over, 91% of the money is on the over, and 54% um, of the bets is on the over. So the bets are about even on the over, but all the money is on the over, right, for the Colts, Texans. uh, This is a game I actually actually really do like the over in this game. I really do. I think the Texans can put up some points with Davis Mills, even though you know they're kind of under the radar team. They showed a little bit of flash last year, and I think the Colts with Matt Ryan, I think is really what you're banking on here. Um, I think he's going to put up some mad points uh, with Jonathan Taylor and um, Michael Pittman and Matt Ryan. I think this is going to be a better offense than last year, and you know I think I think the Colts should win this one easily. 
Now, I always hate laying over a touchdown at minus eight. Um, gun to my head, I have to pick. I take the Colts minus eight. Um, I lean more over on this. I really would than than the line. Um, Jacksonville at Washington. Washington minus four favorites. Sixty three percent of the money on Jacksonville plus four, and fifty three of the bets percent of the bets on Jacksonville over under forty three and a half. Um, sixty seven percent of the money on the over, with seventy eight percent of the bets on the under. So what does that tell you? It's a perfect example. So nearly eighty percent of the bets are on the under for forty three and a half. But two-thirds of the money are on the over. What's that telling you? The public is looking at this game and going, what in the actual F? Jacksonville at Washington, under. <laughs> like, first under, for sure. But where the money is, two-thirds of the money is on the over, while 80% of the bets is on the under. That's telling you right there that the Sharps are playing the over. They want this, you know, they're, they are looking at this game and saying, basically the public has started to drive the total down. And... They're saying, hey, this is statistically low. Uh, we're going to bet the over, just logically speaking. Regardless of the two teams involved, we're going to bet the over because they're, they're looking at a window of statistic, you know, logic. So um, Jacksonville plus four, I, I really don't know. If, if I really had to take a guess, I would say Jacksonville at this point in time, I'd do plus four. And this is one of those teams where you might as well sprinkle some on the money line at plus 160, plus 155 because um, it's within kind of that plus five range of underdog and i know they're on the road and it's a new you know dougie p my my uh, my dog dougie p um trevor lawrence travis Etienne. they got some people back um who knows what's going to happen in washington with carson like who really knows it's actually funny this is the game he blew the season against last year with the colts with jacksonville um either way um i think i think the over is a good bet based off where the money and the bets lie and if i have to pick i'm taking jags uh, plus four. Niners, Bears. Niners minus six and a half on the road at the Bears. 61% of the money on the Niners with 50% of the bets. Um, over 42 points is 83% of the money and 36% of the bets. So again, it tells you most of the public, two-thirds of the public is picking the under, but all the money's on the over. So this is another one I'm going for the over. Um, if I had to pick a side, I'm picking Niners spread. I think the Niners are going to be really good this year. I think the Bears are going to struggle. I really do. After some reflection, hearing some training camp stuff, um, early stuff, I think they're going to struggle. Um, I think the Niners should win this game easily, um, which makes me nervous for the total. I could see them winning this game like literally like thirty to, you know, thirty to ten, and not hitting the over. So makes me a little nervous. But I would take Niners spreading over on this. I really would. Um, Eagles Lions minus four Eagles on the road at Detroit, getting sixty five percent of the money with nearly sixty percent of the bets. Over under 46.5 with 68% of the money and 62% of the bets on the over. So kind of a neutral game here in terms of stats. Um, Lions, up and coming team, they're going to fight. They're going to grit it out. They really are. Um, I like the over. I really do. I like the over 46.5. I think the Eagles come out able to score points. I think the Eagles defense, while upgraded, will have holes and let up some points in this game. Um, this is another team, um, another game that if you're going to bet this, if you're going to bet the Lions, you might as well just sprinkle some on the money line. Um, I'm taking Philly minus four. Um, this is one of those emotional picks that I talked about <laughs> earlier in the show. Uh, I have a really hard time separating the logic from the Philadelphia Eagles. but um, So kind of ignore me on this line. But I'm taking minus four, and I think the bet here is the over 46.5. Uh, we'll cruise through the rest of the games. 
Saints minus four and a half at the Falcons plus four and a half, obviously at home. Ninety-eight percent of the money on the Saints minus four and a half with ninety-one percent of the bets. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. Over forty-one points. 68% of the bets on the over with 94% of the money on the over. This stuff is crazy, folks. Crazy. Um, so, I mean, look. This is another great example. A third of the bets for the under of 41. There's a third of the bets placed are on the under 41, and 94% of the money is on the over. That just tells you right there where the Sharps are thinking. They're hammering this over. I am too. Over 41. Saints at Falcons. Um, assuming Jameis is healthy. I think the Saints put on a show. Um, but divisional divisional matchups are always closer than you think, uh, traditionally. Um, obviously, all the money is on the Saints. If I'm taking this game at all, I'm taking the over and the minus 4.5 for the Saints. I really am. Um, Browns minus 4 favored at the Panthers. Interesting how the NFL did this, um, or how this kind of worked out. 90, uh, 96% of the money on the Browns and 75% of the bets on the Browns. Over under, over 42.5, 88% of the money with 75% of the bets. This is a really, really hard game. You don't know who's playing quarterback for either team. Really. <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do? Like, the Browns have a better roster. And I know all the money and all the bets are on the Browns. But my gut tells me to take Carolina plus four. So that's what I'm going to do. Carolina plus four. As it stands today, no Deshaun Watson. I know the Browns have a good roster, can run the ball. I'm going Panthers plus four. You know, call me crazy. Panthers plus four. Over under, I'm not touching. These these teams could both crap the bed. Um, their defense crap the bed. They could put up points. I, I'm just not touching it. If I'm betting this game, it's Panthers plus four. Uh, Giants at Titans. Giants plus six and a half at the Titans. Minus six and a half. Ninety-six uh, percent of the money on the Giants at plus six and a half, and eighty-six percent of the bets on the Giants as well. Over under at forty-three and a half. Uh, under getting 70% of the money and 65% of the bets. So, interesting game here. Uh, Giants, the traditional tire fire versus the Titans, obviously rebuilding. Not rebuilding, I shouldn't say. That's harsh. Um, that's very Eagles-minded of me. But um, obviously going to have to figure some things out in the offense without A.J. Brown, who bailed them out of a lot of third-down situations. Um, I think they'll struggle early on, which is why I think a lot of the money and the bets are on the Giants at plus 6.5. And, and as an Eagles fan and watching the Giants suck for years, it is really, 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 really hard for me to say this, but I think I'm taking the Giants plus six and a half. And also, I think very interesting money line if you're feeling risky at plus 240, plus 235 um, for the money line. So um, a lot of money actually on that. On that, 89% of the money is placed on Giants money line versus 11% of money on the Titans. So a lot of people seeing that as a juicy payout. I'd say put a little on the money line there. I think it's a good pick. Not saying it'll hit, but it's good value. Um, Raiders at Chargers, a game I am really looking forward to. Raiders plus three and a half, getting over a field goal at the Chargers. 70% of the money on the Raiders spread and 60% of the bets. And the over under 52, 52% of the bets on the over, as well as 63% of the money. That total is tough. I still like the over. <laughs> I really do. And I think the Chargers are going to be a really good team. And the Raiders. If history tells me anything, I'm taking the Raiders 3.5. I really, I'm, I'm taking them. I really am. They play each other close. Uh, the Raiders have new toys to play with on offense. The Chargers obviously are, are going to be good if healthy defensively. 
it's going to be a good game. If I'm if I'm taking this game, I'm taking the Raiders in the over, but I'll probably just go Raiders plus three and a half. Uh, Packers at Vikings. Packers favored on the road, minus two against the Vikings. 78% of the money on the Packers, 76% of the bets. Total at 49 with 95% of the money on the under and 80% of the bets on the under. So I think the philosophy here is, look, Minnesota, Green Bay. Green Bay is not going to be as high-powered of an offense as they used to be without Devontae Adams. That's why everyone's loving the under, right? Uh, Vikings at plus two. I'm taking the Vikings, honestly, to win upright at plus 110. Uh, but I'll, I'll just take the Vikings at plus two. If I had to bet the total, I bet under. Um, probably will hit under. I probably will put some money on the under, but um, I'd, I'd rather play a money line or plus two Vikings, honestly. Um, Chiefs at the Cardinals, minus three Chiefs, favored on the road by a field goal. 90% of the money on the Chiefs with 82% of the bets. Chiefs, obviously, a very heavily bet public team um, in the past. And obviously favored by the Sharps based off these numbers. Over under total 53, 60% of the money on the over with only 48% of the bets on the over. Um, this is tough, man. The Cardinals without D-Hop, and then you have the Chiefs without Tyreek. How will they do in their first game? I'm taking Chiefs minus three, and just that's it. You know, If I had to pick a total, I'd pick the over. But just be smart. Chiefs minus three. All the drama with the Cardinals, Kyler Murray. Chiefs minus three. That's it. And then another interesting game. Uh, Bucks minus two favored on the road in Jerry World uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, minus two bucks have 75% of the money with 72% of the bets. Again, a buck. This is this is actually a hilarious game because both of these teams are extremely publicly bet. Um, obviously, the Cowboys by irrational people most times. And then the Bucks with Brady and the recent success. Over under. 52 with 90% of the money on the over with only 47% of the bets. So that's telling you that the Sharps love the over. I would say if the total's still at 52, snag that over. Um, I think the Cowboys are not going to be able to stop the Bucks. Um, I really don't. And I think the Cowboys will also be able to score. But I'm taking Bucks minus two and over in this game. I love both those picks. Um, but that really rounds out week one of the NFL. As we get closer to the season, closer to the week, I'll basically run through these in a quicker fashion, what I like, and probably come up with like a top five best that I like. Um, if you guys want to follow at home, you know, again, follow at your own risk. Always bet within your own means um, as well. And there's always hotlines to call if you need help um, as well. But uh, exciting stuff nonetheless. It gives us an opportunity to relax from work, um, watch the game we love, and do a little something fun on the side. Um, really just makes the game even more enjoyable for us as the consumer, us as the fans. Um, really looking forward to the NFL kicking off in a couple of weeks as we uh, kind of continue on with preseason here. Um, looking to do another episode in a couple of days. Hopefully there's some more NFL NBA news coming out. Maybe we'll hear Kevin Durant updates right now. We just have a couple of trade partners. Seems like the old teams are resurfacing, like Pelicans, Boston, Philly, like, and, and basically the same stories. Like, you know, Brandon Ingram's not an option, and they won't do it without Brandon Ingram. Like that kind of stuff from every team, basically. So... Probably going to come down to, again, Celtics, Philly, and I think Celtics will probably have the, the tools to make it work better than Philly. Uh, but hopefully that news comes out within the next week or two, and it'll be right here live on Trusted Off Sports Podcast. Thanks again for joining in today, guys. Spread the love. Spread the joy. Remember, only a couple of quick weeks till the NFL starts for real. College football starts right around the corner. NBA not uh, too far after. Exciting stuff ahead. Can't wait to see the product that these guys are putting out for us. 
and all the basically happiness and joy that's going to bring to our lives moving forward. Can't wait for it. Remember, uh, fan mail in the next episode. Keep shooting me DMs and Instagram. We'll answer your questions here on the show today. Uh, feel free to reach out about anything, sports, life, work, whatever you got. All right, guys. Till next time. Peace.